Hey guys, it's Jessica. This is a bonus episode. Um, it's an update episode on my story. And it's not going to be too long, but I, for a few reasons, wanted to do this. Um, first of all, I released my episode and it ended in kind of a, we don't know when we're going to be able to move forward. We have some choices to make, um, kind of left it up in the air. And so as we move through this journey and as we continue on, I want to make sure that I keep it updated. Um, and then the second reason, and this kind of came to me a little bit more recently when my husband and I were talking, um, we both feel like this will be a really cool tool for us to share with our kids um, where they can listen to it and hear why we made some of the choices we made and what our thought process was in that. Um, I'll explain a little bit more about about what choice we have made. Um, and I think that, or we both think that having this um, to share with them will be really helpful. So when we left off before, um, we had we're basically on pause. Um, we had met with the doctor. We had found out that my husband Shane has azoospermia and we were planning to talk to the fertility doctor um, once all of our labs and stuff were done and go from there. And so about, so today is June 5th. So maybe two weeks ago, um, we regrouped with our doctor and her recommendation was to, um, do a manual sperm count. So do another semen analysis. So do another semen analysis with them this time. So previously we did them through our like primary care, um, doctor group. Um, and our fertility doctor, she felt like maybe they used an automatic counting system. So if the sperm count was below a certain number, then they would say, okay, there weren't any, like there's a threshold for that. So she wanted their lab, um, which is a really high fancy lab to do a manual count that would tell them even if there was like a hundred sperm. And so he did that and I got a call on, so he did it on thir- on a Thursday and I got a call from her that evening saying that there was not one sperm found, um, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. So the regular number, so if you're average, let's say you're an average guy, the number is 15 million sperm and Shane has zero like literally zero. So that was pretty crazy to hear. Um, I think when we talked to her, we had, like we talked about it and we had this little bit of hope, like, oh my gosh, if, if there's maybe even like a hundred, we could potentially do IVF without needing to, to do the surgery because they just need one sperm to do the ICSI and put it in the egg and there you go. So I think we had a little bit of like, oh, maybe things will change a little bit. Um, And I do want to say that another reason why I want to continue and follow my story throughout sharing other people's is because um, 
I didn't realize how much things change going through this. Um, And I think sometimes when you hear people's stories who are years later or um, even like at the end of of baby number one or whatever it is, um, sometimes you don't see that things changed so much and it's super fluid, this process. Um, It's not like the first choice that's made. That's how it happens and that's how it goes. Um, You have to be really flexible. So I think part of the benefit of me documenting this throughout my journey is that, yeah, some of the things that I said in the last episode were true then, but since then have changed. Um, But so we talked, um, we had talked how, okay, maybe, maybe there's some hope there. Um, And then when we heard that, it was kind of like, okay, just kidding. We're back basically to where we started. Um, She recommended that we contact this urologist in San Francisco. So we live about 45 minutes south of San Francisco. Um, and he is like the guy for, um, the sperm retrieval surgeries. He's like been a pioneer for this mapping surgery. Um, and so I called his office, um, basically right after I talked to the doctor. Um, and I was on the phone with them for 30 minutes 30, 35 minutes, and the person I was talking to, she was awesome. She was super knowledgeable. She talked me through basically what our options were, how much it would be, um, what the typical timeline for people is, what she would recommend and why, um, and it was really, really helpful. And so boiling down our conversation, um, and I want to be really open, so I don't mind talking numbers. Um, So... Like the initial consult was going to be between $500 and $700. So that was just to meet with the doctor. And then follow-up visits were like $300. And so in my head, we're thinking, okay, we probably have a few of those. And then, and mind you, we have no coverage for anything. So this is all out of pocket. And then, um, and then they do this mapping surgery, which is pretty interesting. So what they do is they mark the testicle and then they go in with a needle and they aspirate all the different areas and then they put whatever they aspirated onto a slide and see if there's any evidence of sperm and that gives the doctor a better idea of if he does the surgery if he'll find sperm so then you do that procedure and then depending on what they find there then you would do the tessie surgery which i think i described in in my last episode. Um, if you're curious what it is, you can listen to that or you can Google it. There's a lot of good information online. Um, and so then all of those costs and then that surgery is, um, up to $15,000. So time, money, and then I think, again, I talked about this in my last episode. I love my husband so very much, but he and doctors don't mix well. Um, he has a history of fainting when he gets his blood drawn. And so asking him to do these two procedures um, with no guarantee was just like another thing in in our head. Um, and so on this same Thursday, we actually had an appointment with a psychologist because – so the clinic that we're going to, they, um, they require that anybody who is – even possibly using a third party um, to 
try to get pregnant. So sperm donor, egg donor, embryo donation, or a gestational carrier, which is a surrogate. Um, If you are possibly using any of those, then they require you to have an evaluation done by a um, psychologist. So we actually had this appointment already planned because we knew that it was, we were going to be buying donor sperm. So and so I got off the phone with the urologist's office. Our appointment was about 20 minutes after that. So Shane and I had a really quick conversation. I basically told him what the urologist's office told me. Um, and that was it. And so then we got on this Zoom call with this psychologist and basically told her everything that um, that I just said. And we had about a 30-minute conversation with her. And in that conversation, we – basically made our decision um as we talked we kind of both looked at each other and like realized what we wanted to do um and so we both felt that based on the results from that most recent analysis that the odds of doing all these things that we would need to do going through the two procedures waiting that would be mm, probably a couple months, um, a lot of money, 15 grand is not a little bit, um, that if we were to do all of that and we got to the end of it and we were back to where we started and had nothing to show for it, we would feel a lot worse than when we thought about moving forward with donor sperm. Um, when we had talked about it, I always had a gut feeling that if we were able to use and find sperm in Shane, that we would maybe have be able to have one kid and we want more than one child. So we would then move on to donor sperm. And that obviously there's so many different ways you can make a family and we're going to be one of those non-conventional ways. Um, But it seemed like for us, we wanted to try to have all of our kids be 100% genetically siblings. Um, And not to say that families that don't have that is not okay. I don't mean, I don't think that at all. But just for us, going through this whole process, um, needing to use a donor, that's going to be something to process with our family, something to process with our kids in and of itself. And so we just felt like it would be better for our family, I guess is how I'm going to say it. Um, And so we decided that, you know, if we, we were okay using a donor, a donor um, when we thought, okay, maybe, maybe we could have one kid and then with chains and then we move on to having a kid with donor sperm um if we go through all of that and don't and end up with nothing like how are we going to feel in comparison to how we feel just moving forward from the beginning using donor sperm and we both agreed that um we feel really good about moving forward with donor sperm um we've had multiple conversations about how that makes each of us feel and if I'm being really honest I think it was a little bit harder for me um 
and I'm kind of getting emotional talking about it, but um, I had always pictured what Shane and I's baby would look like. And so initially when we found out, that was really hard. And he was always saying, I don't care. I, I want to have a kid with you. I want to be a parent. And that's what is important to me. And genetics isn't everything that makes a family. It's how we parent our children. It's how we love our children. Um, and so in talking about it, I totally agree. Um, and so, so we've decided to move forward using a donor. Um, and actually in the end of our conversation, now thinking back to it, there was a moment that I said to him, I really in my gut feel like we're meant to move forward um, using a donor. Like that's what we're meant to do. Um, and after we decided, I think we both were kind of like, oh, it feels good to make a choice and, and we're excited now we get to move forward and we, I mean, we just want to be parents and we want to have a family and it doesn't matter how you get there. Um, those kids are going to be ours and we're going to love them. So after we decided, we emailed our doctor and um, we told her what we had planned and what we had decided. And so then we scheduled another appointment for about maybe a week or so later. So this would have been like a week ago. I think it was, actually was a week ago today. Um, and so we talked to her and and she said, okay, like we're good to, to try the next time your um your cycle starts and you get your period like we're good to to start that to start that month so the past week has been actually really kind of crazy and um things have moved really quickly um I meant to record this last night but we got all of our consent forms from our office and had to sign all those and go through them all so that's what I ended up doing last night um so yeah so Today, I got the list of medications that I'm going to be taking. Um, I We're going to be meeting with our nurse next Wednesday to find out our like calendar and um, our timeline. Um, we do an IVF class next Thursday to, um, to learn, I think, how to give myself the shots, which right now feels a little bit overwhelming. I'm... I know I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing them on myself at least um, the the early ones. I know as time goes on and we get closer to the transfer, I think there's some kind of fattier needles, so I might need some help with those. But at least the first ones, I think I can do by myself. Um, so learn how to do those and and just learn about the medications that I'm gonna be taking. And then I'm expecting my period to come on Friday, so that could potentially a week from today be the first day of starting the cycle, which is really, really exciting. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what's happened since. Um, but I did post on Instagram and I just asked if anybody had any questions. And so some of them might have been answered, um, but there's a few that I wanted to kind of talk about. 
Um, and one of them was why we decided to do IVF instead of going with IUI. So now that we're using a donor um, to conceive, we we technically could do an IUI. Um, and the reason being is because we potentially could have enough sperm that they don't need to do IVF. Um, saying that, though, there's a few reasons why we decided to continue with IVF. So, um, like I said, when we were thinking about just our family and what we felt like was right for us, um, we, like I said, want our kids to be 100% genetically um, genetically the same. Um, And with donor sperm and IUIs, you just never know how many it's going to take to get pregnant. And so we want more than one kid. We don't know how many more than one or how many we can even have. You know, this is who knows how everything's going to go. But if all goes according to what we would like, um, we don't know how many IUIs it would take to get, let's say, two or three kids. And so with IVF, if this cycle or if, if we need another cycle goes well, then we could potentially have multiple embryos that we could use for multiple kids. Um, we had ordered two vials of the donor sperm back when we were anticipating that IVF was going to be pretty much our only option. I had reached out to our clinic and asked oh, just how many vials they feel like is a good amount, and they said two. Um, so that's what we had bought. Um, our donor does have more, but again, you just don't know how many times you're going to need to do IUIs. I've heard from people who've done six IUIs and none of them worked. Um, so me being more of a control freak and liking control, there was really no control in this whole thing. And so I felt like I could have a little bit more with IVF. Um, we had already kind of budgeted for IVF. We moved in with my parents. I don't know if I said that, but, um, we're living with my parents right now to save. And so we felt like we still could, we made changes and we made sacrifices in our life so that we could do that. And, um, so we're okay with still, with still moving forward with IVF. Um, another question was what helped you accept using a donor? So, I think a kind of what I said, like looking, really being honest about if we like all the things that it would take to just possibly have a baby that was genetically my husband's, like all the steps that that took. And if we did all those things and it didn't work, how would that feel? And then if we did do those things, would we feel that much happier than if we moved forward with donor sperm and we felt like no like regardless of how we get our baby we're gonna love the baby the same amount whether it's 100% ours genetically whether it's half of ours genetically whether it's whatever it is um and so for us the the I don't want to say pro and con but the um challenges with trying to move forward with the surgery and with um 
with trying to use Shane's sperm, um, we feel like they just didn't really outweigh kind of the other side of it. And then also, um, I think that on one hand, so we found out all this information over the course of like four and a half months, five-ish months. Yeah, like five months. And I think that it was actually helpful because it wasn't like one day we thought this is what our path to parenthood would look like. And the next day, it was completely different. It was slowly, we slowly got worse and worse news. Um, And so every time we got a little bit worse news, or maybe not even, well, yeah, every time we got different news and found that out, um, we kind of had to wrap our head around it. So we slowly were wrapping our head around using a donor, which I think was helpful. Um, And honestly, my husband's reaction was really also helpful too. Um, I've spoken with women who have said that their husbands have really struggled and they're still struggling like they haven't made a decision um about what they want to do moving forward to using a donor or not and we didn't really have that conversation um I don't know if that was I don't know if it's that's just how my husband is which is great um I don't know if he had these internal conversations with himself I'm not really sure but um kind of since we found out he's never said no I don't want to do that um so I have to give him him props about that because I think that him being very confident in that choice made me very confident in that choice um and I've so I would say those two things were big factors um there's been people on Instagram that I've also followed and I've done a lot of research since we made the decision and I feel really confident in the decision. Um, Actually, the person who asked this question is pursuing fatherhood. Um, If you don't follow him on Instagram, please do. His name's Alex and he's awesome. And him and his wife have a pretty similar story to us. Um, They went the sperm donor route and they now have a really cute little baby girl. Um, But their story was really helpful because personally I I mean I might know somebody who uses a sperm donor but they haven't come out about it and shared so I don't know um anybody that I could talk to about it um so it really was reaching out to people in the infertility community and listening to people's stories and asking questions and um There's a podcast that I started listening to and just really trying to seek out information. There's a book that I also read called Three Makes Baby that talks about it. Um, And so, yeah, like I just doing research was really helpful. Um, And then also talking about it with my family and Shane's family. We've been obviously I'm talking to the public. Um, I'm sharing this on the Internet. So we've been super open. And I think that that has been really helpful. We haven't gotten any negative feedback from anybody, all loving thoughts, all positive things. So that only, I think, makes us more um, secure in our choice. Um, Yeah, so we feel feel really good about it and are really excited to move forward. Um, It's all happening pretty quickly 
and um, it's really exciting. Um, oh, one question that you might be wondering is, are we going to tell our kids? And the answer is 100% yes. Um, even before we talk, quote unquote, talk to experts about what they say you should do, we knew we would tell our kids. Um, it's going to be a part of their story growing up and from the moment they're born it's going to be talked about I I just thought about the other side of okay so I've talked about this with my family with my husband's family with public with friends with with everybody and then we don't tell our kids that just seems not okay with me um and then by keeping something like this a secret it almost feels to me like there's something wrong with it and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, we want to be parents and this is not a second choice. Um, we could have kept going down the path and we could have done all we all we could do to get that 100% biological child, but um, we, we didn't need to. Um, this is a choice and we're really happy with it. So yeah, so... We're going to um, talk to our kids and they will um, have the option to do with that information what they want. So I guess one more thing that I can kind of talk about is um, how we chose our donor and uh, what that process kind of looked like. So during this whole COVID thing, I wasn't working and so there was a lot of time to kind of do nothing. And it was actually perfect time to search for a donor. Um, so what our method of finding a donor was, and this might be different from other people who've gone through it, but um, Shane actually said to me, I want you to go through all of them. You're really good about researching and about narrowing things down. And I, I trust you to, to narrow it down until we have less and then, and then I'll get involved. So I went through all the different cryobanks. I looked through four. And mind you, I was looking when this wasn't a 100% that we were using a donor. Um, it was uh, very likely. Um, but I looked through four different banks. Um, and it's funny because you have to become a member. So you have to pay to see all of the information. Um, if you don't pay, then you see like, their weight, their height, their eye color. Um, but once you pay, you get access to all this different information. So um, most of the the banks, there was one that I didn't really love. Um, and there were three that I thought did a pretty good job of having a lot of info. So give or take, you know, and I believe it's self-report, um, but their, their medical history and then their family's medical history back to – uh, grandparents and aunts and uncles, blood aunts and uncles. And then you find out a lot of personal information about them. Um, some listed their GPAs, some listed clubs that they were in in high school, any sports that they play. Um, some of them you could hear their voice and you could hear them answering questions, which was pretty cool. So you could get a sense for um, kind of who they were a little bit. Uh, some had written essays, so it, that varied a little bit. Some of them did have pictures. Um, most of them, or all of them, had baby pictures, but some of them had adult pictures, and that 
was a little bit interesting in the beginning. I was like, Shane, what if we know somebody who, who is in here? We didn't. And I'll add, so the donor that we chose only had a baby picture. And I kind of liked that because I feel like if I had known what they looked like as an adult, I would be always picturing that person. And I like the idea that I don't know what this person looks like as an adult. Um, but, but yeah, so you get access to all this information. And then, so I went through and I just looked at anything. So there's so many donors. So I felt like I needed some kind of filtering just in the beginning. Um, and so I filtered by like height and, um, height and kind of coloring so Shane so we were thinking of getting finding a donor that was just kind of generally Shane size um and not to try to make our kids blend into us and pretend that there are 100% ours or genetically ours but more so that um it wasn't just so obvious they're gonna know but that doesn't mean that they want everybody looking at them knowing so um we decided I decided to or we decided to just kind of filter um generally the same kind of height and weight and coloring um I filtered by blue or green eyes Shane has blue eyes and I felt like it was just super overwhelming to look at everything so that felt a little bit more manageable to have kind of a starting point. So from there, I kind of looked at our, the biggest thing was, was medical history. Um, there's a few things in Shane's family that he was kind of like, if we're doing this, like, let's try to get those things out. Why have the possibility of having things? So in his family, he has, um, has had family members with diabetes and Alzheimer's, um, and cancers. So if we can get those out, why not? Um, and so a, a healthy medical history was definitely probably number one. And then, and then also things like, um, like athletic ability, not somebody who's like a professional athlete, but Shane likes to, he's a big golfer and he, and I totally support him on this. He would like there to be a chance that our kids can participate in things like that. And so finding a donor who had kind of similar interests as us um, was was also important. Um, and so I narrowed it down probably to around 15, I would say, across the four websites. And then we sat down and we narrowed it down to, I think, four. And I mentioned this on my original episode, but um, I had to make this process a little bit more lighthearted we were we like to joke around and and so I I was like okay how can I make this a little bit more fun so what I did is I made um it's called the donor and I made a powerpoint and I used like the bachelor picture to make it look like it um and so my and we did it over zoom me Shane and then my two sisters and my mom we all got on a zoom call and we basically went through so each of the donors had their a couple slides on them and then we had a slide on Shane about things like kind of that we were like looking for and we went through it and we narrowed it down um to our donor and there was something we it was actually really interesting so there were three that we liked but the one that we ended up choosing, it was like, it was a unanimous decision. We all, we had everybody go through and say who they felt like they 
had the best feeling about and we all said the same one um and thinking back like my our gut just definitely said this is this is the right donor um and so one point that I want to say is that he is an anonymous donor um in the research that I've done I know that this can be a sticky subject Um, And I totally understand why. So there's a lot in the community of donor conceived people who feel like, and I, and I, like I said, I agree with this, that, um, so the donor ID program is where when the child gets to be 18, then they get to learn the identity of the donor. Um, So ours is not that way. Ours is anonymous. Um, And the reason why it was not a choice, like I, we didn't go set out to find an anonymous donor. I didn't really know about it. Um, when we chose, um, only in the last probably week, I've really learned about this. Um, and I even went back on and I even did another search for known ID donors and just nobody gave me that same feeling as the one that we originally chose. And I am a big one to trust my gut. And so I feel like there's just a reason why this one had stuck out to us and why we made this decision. And um, and so part of the reason why this is a sticky subject is because people in the, in the research that I've done and anybody who is donor conceived, please reach out to me. I would love to talk more about it. Um, but what I, what I've gathered is that there, everybody has a right to know genetically where they come from. And I totally agree with that. Um, and so with the donor ID program, that is a guarantee. You get to find out that information where when they're anonymous, you don't get that information. Um, in talking it over between us and in talking to a couple other people kind of in that, in this community, um, somebody said to me, it's 2020, like nobody is hidden. Nobody is secret. Um, and I feel like that's kind of true. You can put your you can do the DNA test and put it on Ancestry or put it on 23andMe and find matches. And I, and I feel like if our kids, um, when they are growing up, um, and they feel like they want to find out more, we're going to do everything in our power to do that. So whether that's getting on there, finding their donor siblings, um, cause they will have them. I already know that there's been, uh, pregnancies reported using this donor um so if they want to find out that information we're going to do whatever we can to help them find it out and um and so yeah so so it wasn't a conscious decision to do that um but it is kind of what happened and um and we're going to be super open with our kids and really supportive for whatever they want to do and and be there to help them um so yeah, that was the process of picking the donor. That was kind of long. Um, hopefully you found that interesting. I know a lot of people don't know about it, so I think it is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah. So that's pretty much where we are. And the plan is going to keep changing. So next time I come on here, watch something else is going to be totally changed. Um, hopefully not too much, though. So moving forward, next week potentially we get to start, which is really exciting. I'll try to to post on um, on the Instagram page and, and on my personal Instagram page 
kind of when I start doing those injections and just what's that, what that's like. I, I um, have had people reach out saying that they've enjoyed hearing about it. And so I hope you have. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting, but it's my life. So, so I would. Um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, if you're curious about anything, like I said, we're, we're being really open. Um, part of this is I want this to be a sp- something that my kids can listen to. Um, and I want to be open and honest for them. So I hope when they do listen to it, they know that they were so, um, so part of the plan. And, and yeah, I mean, they'll know that they're loved, but, but, but we're really excited to, to move forward and to, to start the process of having them. Um, keep checking back for more episodes. I've got more lined up over the next few weeks. Um, if you are someone that wants to share, you can, you can reach out. I actually created an email address, so you can, you can email me now too. Um, it is thepineapplepodcast.stories at gmail.com. It's in the bio on the Instagram page. Um, yeah, and we're on iTunes and Spotify. Please um, leave a review and a rating. Share it on social media. Um, whatever whatever help you can, you can do to get the name out and get the, the word out about this, I would really appreciate it. Um, I want to reach more people and and support the community because it's been really supportive to me. All right, that's pretty much it. Um, Thanks for listening, guys, and check back next Thursday for the next story. Bye.